Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Coffee and True Crime. I'm your host, Melissa. I hope you have a wonderful day. There's a lot of stuff going out in the world today, so I just hope you're having a wonderful day, and I hope I can give you a little bit of true crime on this day today. So I do want to hit on some stuff before I actually get into today's podcast. So this is our third episode. And we have grown to other platforms of podcasts. So whatever platform you're listening to me on today, please make sure, rate and review um, this podcast. Let me know how I'm doing, as well as if you would like to um, listen to something that you're very interested, a case that you want me to research, I would love to do it. Just let me know whatever that is. And like I said, rate, review, and uh, I'll be highlighting the people who give us five stars, or me five stars, it's not us. But anyway, so today's episode is going to be in my lovely state of Louisiana. So um, this person is known as the Baton Rouge serial killer. Um, so his real name is Derek Todd Lee. He prowled for communities of South Louisiana for years before he was captured and, and eventually he was convicted for two of seven of the cases of rape and murder of women, which he was linked by DNA. Um, he was suspected in a range of brutality from 1992 to 2003. And before Lee was actually executed, he died of natural causes like I don't know how I feel about that. Like, we'll get into more detail. But, like, when I was, like, researching this <laughs> this episode, I'm like, what? He just died of natural causes? Like, I feel like that was a little too easy for him. And there's a twist at the end. So, let's just go ahead and get started into the childhood of Lee. So, Lee was born on November 5th, nineteen. 19- 68 in St. Francis, Louisiana to Samuel Ruth and Florence Lee. His father left his mother soon after Derek was born um, for her and the children. Ruth having, um, without having his father out of the picture was good because his father actually suffered from mental illness and he ended up in a mental institution after being charged for killing his ex-wife. So do with that you will. So then his mother, Larry, 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 what? (laughs) His mother later married uh, Coleman Barrow. Um, He was responsible for raising Derek, his sisters, as, you know, if it was his children, like, you know, they're his children. So I really commend that guy. A lot of men won't do that these days. So props to him. So, together, they taught their children the importance of education and of the Bible, which in that era, I feel like it was, that was what you did. Um, so, he grew up many, like many children, small towns um, in Louisiana. He, he played with his neighborhood friends, um, and most of his playmates were actually his extended family. He really did... Um, love school band so he loved his band at his local school he did struggle academically um and he was outshined by his younger sister who was a year older than him but she like really went you know like high and above in school so she just exceeded school like she was brilliant um so he really wasn't making the best grades 
So by the time Lee actually turned 11, he had been caught peeping into the windows of the girl's neighborhood, which he continued to do as an adult. And he also liked torturing dogs and cats. One thing that makes me so upset, and if you're squeaking, I'm so sorry, it's my chair. I really need to fix it, um, is torturing animals. Like, that can get me heated in 2.2 seconds. So, when I found this out, this literally, like, the whole dying of natural causes made me go, mm, nope, mm, whatever. So, we're going to move into his teenager years. So, at 13, he was actually arrested for simple burglary. Um, he was known by the local police. So, you know, he really was fighting. He was really, like, he had anger problems, and he was really, like, a troubled person in the community, and everyone just knew that. He pulled a knife on a boy during um, a fight at school, and he was attempted, he was charged with attempted of second degree murder, and that's when his rap sheet started to fill and fill up. Um, so, at the age of 17, he was arrested for being a peeping Tom, which we all knew, because at the age of 11, he was doing that. Um so he dropped out of school and then he kept getting multiple complaints and arrests and he avoided stay in the juvenile detention, which I have no idea how he did that. So in 1988, Lee married a lovely lady, which I'm imagining for putting with, up with all of this stuff. Uh, Miss Jacqueline Sims, they had two children, um, Derek Lee Jr. I'll put a pause there real quick. And then in 1992, a girl named Doris Lee. So soon after their marriage, Lee pled guilty to an unauthorizing entry of an inhabitant dwelling. So basically that means he broke into somebody's home because when I saw that, I'm like, what is this? So he basically had two lives. He had the father role and he had the still peeping Tom and sleeping with other women. So that's what he did. He worked his job. He took his family out on weekend outings, and then he would cruise local bars. He would um, have affairs with women. So he wasn't really the best man, which we already know. Um, so Jacqueline actually knew about his second life, um, but she was devoted to Lee. So why I'm thinking she was so devoted to Lee is because of the Bible, God, religion background that he probably had and she probably had, which I really don't think he had, but he may have had, I don't know. But I feel like that's, that's the reason why she was so devoted to this man. She became um, used to actually he, him being arrested. I'm sorry, but if my husband was like starting getting arrested left and right, I'd be like, deuces, dude, like I'm much better. Like I, that's, that's not me. That might be some people but it's not me. Like, if you're going to be cheating on me, if you're going to be doing all this stuff, I'm going to say peace. So, in 1996, Jacqueline's father was killed in a plane explosion, and she was awarded a quarter of a million dollars. Of course, with this financial boost, Lee can now dress better, buy cars, spend more money on his women, um, but he actually had a girlfriend her name was Cassandra Lee. Um, but he blew through the money quickly as it came. 
Um, by 1999, Lee and his family were back to living off of his earning wages as he as they were before she got all this money. Although he had another another mouth of feed, Cassandra gave birth to a son or a boy. I said that weird. Um, who they named Derek or Dedrick Dedrick Lee in July later that year. There's one person I want to kind of go over. She wasn't really a victim, but I feel like if she didn't do what she was told and how she reacted, she probably would have been his number one victim. So in June 1999, Colette was at home. Um, she got a knock on the door and it was Lee and he, <laughs> if you heard that, I'm sorry, that was my dog. Um, Lee muscled his way into the apartment, tried to convince her, hey, we should be girlfriend and boyfriend. Like, let's do this. After having a wife, having a girlfriend, and then having this girl. Like, what is going on through his head? Um, so she kept telling him that she didn't know him. Who are you? No, I'm not going to date you. Like, please get out of my house. So she actually eased him out of the apartment. He left his phone number and suggested that he or she should call him. Um, days later, a friend who lived near her asked her about Lee, who she assumed seeing lurking around her apartment. On another occasion, Colette caught, Colette caught him peeping in her window and she finally called the police. I would have called the police as soon as he came through my door and said, hey, let's date. Like, mm -mm. So eventually, Colette, she filed restraining orders against Lee. And he, since I guess the police saw that he was, his history as a peeping Tom, Lee did uh, a little time of the charges for stalking. And he did a plea bargain and he received probation. Now, me... Why? Like, you see he's a peeping Tom. He forced his way into this girl's house. Like, at least don't give him probation. Like, you've seen all the stuff that he's done. Which, I can't say that. I'm not in this law area. So, that's just me. So, he perceived, he perceived, oh my god, received probation. Um, against the direction of the court, he actually went looking for Colette. So, I feel like this is probably what started everything. So, I think in my first episode, I talked about uh, criminal minds. And I feel like this was this guy's trigger. Like, this was his trigger. This is what pissed him off. This is what set him off. And he wanted to hurt people because he couldn't take his anger out on this girl. Um, but Colette moved away, which is why I said she would have been his first victim. And probably he probably would have murdered her like... And, like, I'm, I'm glad this, this woman got away. She did the right thing. After all that, you can believe that his home life got worse. So, his life got stressful. His money was gone. His finances were tight. He was actually arguing a lot with Cassandra in February 20, uh, 20, I was almost said 2020, 2000. Um, the fight actually escalated and he started hitting her. She started to get a protective order prohibiting Lee from getting near her. 
Three days later, he caught up with her at a bar parking lot and violently assaulted her. Um, Cassandra pressed charges and he was on, his probation was revoked and he spent the following year in prison until his release of February 2001. He was uh, replaced he was placed under house arrest required to wear a monitoring equipment which thank you like yes but i know i need to stop moving in my chair um i do know that sometimes those aren't monitored but at least they did something so yes so in may he was found guilty of violating his terms of his parole by removing the equipment which was his monitoring equipment to see where he was he was given a legal slap on the hand and not returned to prison okay so i do want to go back a couple of years so in 1993 um lee was allegedly he attacked two teenagers who were in a parking lot kissing making out doing all that sorts of stuff uh so he apparently hit them with a six foot harvesting tool. Um, he was accused of hacking the couple, stomping and fleeing only when another car came. Um, the couple did survive. So six years later, Sh Michelle Champman picked Lee out on alignment, on a lineup of her attacker, but the statute of limitations on the potential ch charge had expired. So the reason why I'm bringing up this now is because I'm actually going into, I'm going to go a little bit into his victims. I'm not going to go into depth on their backstory and everything like that. I'm just going to give you a brief overview. So his first victim, I would say, is Randy Mayerville. Um, she was 28 and he murdered her on April 18th of 1998. She was a divorced mother with three kids. Um, she was raped, beaten, and stabbed to death. His next victim was Gina Wilson Green. She was 40 years old. She was found murdered in her home near LSU, which I'm guessing either the hospital or um, the college, which I'm guessing it was probably most likely the hospital. I really couldldn't tell like I did some research and it really it really wouldn't found it like I didn't find anything. Um, when the police got in her home, her cell phone and purse were missing, but later they found the cell phone in an alley. So his third victim was, I have no idea how to say her name, so I'm just going to say Mrs. DeSoto. So on January 14th, Darren found his 21-year-old wife lying in a pool of blood in her Baton Rouge home. She was an LSUS student, so that's why I set up it may be the, the school or the hospital. She was going to graduate in the fall of 2002. Next one was Charlotte Murray, 31st of 2002. Um, a roommate came home and found her body at her apartment. Uh, the autopsy report said that Paces, which uh, that's her last name, was stabbed over 80 times and raped. She also received other defensive wound injuries showing she tried to fight off her attacker she recently um graduated from lsu as one of the youngest students to receive an mba degree in business administration diane alexander so the police said on july 9th 2002 diana was attacked in her home 
Alexandria later told police that a black man knocked on her door asking to use her phone. Alexandria said when the man found out her husband was not home, he overpowered her and attempted to rape her. Investigators say that the man beat her and tried to strangle her with a telephone cord. Alexander's son arrived home during the attack and found his mother lying um, on the floor in blood. She did survive the attack and after five days was able to help the police um, give a sketch of her attacker. On July 12, 2002, Pamela Kinnamore was kidnapped from her home, beaten and raped. Police said that her husband arrived at their home, found spots of blood on the dining room rug or bedroom rug, I'm sorry. And everything was just not how it was supposed to be. And he thought that his wife was missing. There was no signs of the forced entry in the home. Investigators say three days later, a survey crew found her body of the south of Whiskey Bay exit, which I have no idea where that's at. Um, Kinnamore had defensive wounds. She also had cuts on her neck. DNA was taken from the body that matched the attacker who murdered Green and Pace. Uh, Trenisha Comblin was killed on November 21st, 2002. She was kidnapped from her Lafayette home on November 21st. Investigators said that her car, person, keys were found near a cemetery where her mother was buried just seven months earlier. Police um, said a hunter found her body three days later in the woods of Scott, Louisiana. That's down south. Um, autopsy reports showed that she died from blood, blunt force trauma to the head. And DNA from semen was taken from her body, which matched green paste in Kenmore's murder. Mary Lynn Yoder um, was killed March 3rd, 2003. She was kidnapped from her LSU apartment between 6 p.m. to 12 a.m. Ten days later, her body was found in the Whiskey Bay area near Kenmore's body. Um, police believe that her body was thrown from a nearby bridge. Police said that her body was beaten, raped, and strangled to death. The DNA from her body matched green paste Kenmore and Cumble. I believe that's how you say her last name. So there were other possible victims. Connie Wary and Eugene Bosse-Fontaine. Um, they were both murdered, but there was no evidence to link Lee to the murder. From the police, this is what they were saying. He, They said that Lee was actually a very smart man. And he knew how to avoid capture. So Lee stayed on the move. In the 10 years, it was suspected that he committed rape and murder. He was constantly changing jobs, moving between Louisiana cities, and going in and out of prison. It was not until he focused on the LSU area that he left to the two bodies um, at the Whisk River, Whiskey Bay, that investigators moved from solving to murders into looking to a serial killer. So, at the time all of these were happening, they just thought that there was just people murdering people. But when they started connecting the dots with those four matches of DNA to these four women, they were like, oh, we got a serial killer. What are we going to do? So, communication was very rare 
during for like detectives like from different cities so i was watching one show and i cannot believe what it was about but it was about this woman being raped and it was this guy going from city to city to city to city and it wasn't popping up on anybody's radar the police's radar because he was raping people in different cities and this is exactly what this guy was doing as well this is what lee was doing and so that's the reason why it wasn't a red flag to cops because he was doing the same thing as that movie was doing. Um, but from 1991 to 2001, there were 53 unsolved murders of women, just women in Baton Rouge. In 2002, Baton Rouge um, formed a task unit um, to try to catch the serial killer but instead of catching a serial killer they just ended up having more murders to solve so you know they're probably going to all these murders and thinking that they were related to this murder but it wasn't in late may the task force released a sketch artist of a man wanted for questioning about the attacks on the women which you know where they got that sketch artist from was 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 from michelle so he was described as a clean cut guy. He was light, skinny, a black man with short brown hair and brown eyes, probably in his late 20s or early 30s. Um, finally, the, investigated, the investigation was on track. They were getting leads. Around the time that the sketch was released, DNA was being collected in parishes where unsolved murders of women had occurred. At the time, Lee was actually living in West Felician Parish and was asked to give a swap to DNA testing. Not only did his criminal history interest... Really, Siri? Really? Okay. I, found an I, don't, I, don't, I don't need your help. Thank you, though. Um, was asked to give a swab. Not only did his criminal history um, kind of interest the investigators, but also... His appearance resembled the new sketch that they got. So the investigators put a rush on Lee's DNA and they had an answer within a few weeks. Lee's DNA matched the samples of the women that he that they got the matches from. So Yoder, Green, Pace, Kenmore, and Colbum. Lee and his family fled that day that they proved it was him who murdered all of these women. He was finally caught in Atlanta, Georgia, and returned to Louisiana a day after the arrest warrant was issued. So on August 2004, he was found guilty of a second-degree murder of DeSoto and was sentenced for life imprisonment without parole. In October 2004, Lee was found guilty of Pace's rape murder and was sent to death by lethal injection. In 2008, the Louisiana Supreme Court held up his conviction 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 and death sentence lee remained on death row at louisiana state penitentiary so on january 16 2016 lee was 47 he was transferred to a hospital in zachary louisiana for a medical i'm trying to combine two words emergency treatment and died after heart attack on january 21st so i tried to do some research um, and trying to understand why he was charged for Pace 
and for uh i don't know why he since they had him linked to other cases or in other like murders and deaths or murders and rapes i wasn't i really couldn't find a reasoning why um so it kind of puzzles me on there maybe at the time you know you could only be charged for two murders before i tell you how i feel which i'm pretty sure you know how i feel about this case um when i was looking and researching into this so the Headline is son of serial killer Derek Todd Lee arrested in fatal accident shooting in East Felician. So the son of convicted killer Derek Lee Todd has been arrested in the fatal shooting of a high school student earlier this month, which this was November 28, 2018. So not that long ago. Um, authorities said that he confessed to accidentally shooting his friend after telling the investigators it had been a suicide. Lee explained that he and Brooks were hanging out in his bedroom. They were going to create a rap song in his closet. Brooks pulled out a gun and said, I told you I was going to get one. And then they started taking photos and videos with the firearm. Lee looks at Brooks and told him that the gun wasn't loaded, but he didn't check to confirm that. According to the warrant, he said he was just playing with a gun and, and must have accidentally pulled the trigger because it went off and it struck Brooks. Lee told his stepfather, David Green, what had happened and Green called 911. Green later backed up Lee's potential story that he found Brooks face down on the bed with the gun underneath his chest. Lee turned in the gun to the authorities and immediately after immediately after the shooting so the investigators noted that he was very upset he he was giving remorse causing of his death of his death of his friend so this is very interesting to me because this is what the police said it doesn't matter whose son he is he still would have been arrested on the same charge because it's based on the evidence that we have the fact the fact is it's irrelevant to the case so i do give them props for not just arresting this kid and giving him everything that they could have like to be honest i feel like police can tell when someone's lying and if he was if this guy was really upset for shooting his friend i mean you see it all the time people with guns kids with guns they'll accidentally shoot themselves or somebody else so i can believe that this happened um but there really wasn't anything other he uh, from what I gathered, he's off on parole. They, it was an accidental death. They didn't charge him with being a murderer like his father. Okay, guys. So that is the end of the episode about Derek Todd Lee, the Baton Rouge killer. I've been doing a lot of Louisiana-themed killers, and it's kind of scary. But okay. But yeah, guys. So please remember to rate the podcast on whatever form platform you are listening to it means a lot to me and i hope you'll have a wonderful day bye